You're listening to Hive Hoops, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. Here's your host, Joshua Balta. Hive Hoops, I'm your host, Joshua Balta. Joining me today, we have Patrick Simon. He is our newest contributor for Hornets lead. Patrick, how's everything going, man? It has been quite the off season so far. We've, you know, had the whole Miles Bridges situation. We've had PJ now up in the news. It's summer league. It's 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 looking good, but I've got some questions. Got some questions. Hold up. What's looking good? I I, I, I got to stop you there. What what's been what's been looking good? I'm I'm liking Brandon Miller. I'm liking what I'm seeing from Brandon Miller. I may be I may be in the on my own little island here, but I, I'm liking Brandon Miller so far. No, I don't think you're on an island, and we are definitely going okay. to get into that here shortly. <laughs> have to talk about the latest reports on PJ, uh, qualifying offer, possible sign-and-trade, Hornets not touching that $16 million, going to get into those conversations. Also found out about Dennis Smith Jr. taking less money with the Nets. And then, thoughts on Brandon Miller, who has exceeded your expectations in Summer League? Who did not meet your expectations in Summer League? Going to get into all of that. But first, pressing P.J. Washington. Reports do come out that the Hornets have not reached even $16 million per year, which is what was compared to the Isaiah Stewart deal that was recently handed to him from the Detroit Pistons, and that the Hornets would rather seek out a sign-and-trade rather than bring him back on the qualifying offer. Patrick, where do you fall on what the Charlotte Hornets should do with P.J. Washington? So I feel like I can really play both sides here. and But the thing is, is I feel like there's only three options that they can do here. They can either, one, give him that contract, which I don't feel we're looking at, if we're looking at the like Isaiah Stewart range, we're looking at, what, four years, 64 mil? For yep. a player like PJ who hasn't reached his ceiling yet, I don't think that's a bad contract at all. It's also a tradable contract. The next option would be doing the sign-and-trade, like you said. But the, the only thing I see wrong with that sign-and-trade is there is not – if they wanted to do a sign-and-trade, they would have needed to do that earlier in the offseason because now how everyone's cap space is lined up, there's no good trade partners. There's no, there's no one to really match up with i saw the main thing for the trade partners for a sign and trade we would be we would be receiving a lot of possible expiring contracts but in really in this case if you're trading a player that's a part of the young core and it's for expiring contracts to open up cap it just doesn't make any sense and then the, the last option would be doing the qualifying offer but with having bridges hit the open market next offseason and then also having pj having two members of the young core hit at the same time would just be abysmal and it would be a disaster yeah, when it comes to sign-and-trade territory, there aren't many guys across the NBA landscape who are making 15 to $17 million per year. So I looked up some contracts uh, just the other day just to see in the sign-and-trade you know, area if you were just doing a one-for-one. One. Now, of course, you could also add in additional players. You could maybe add in a James Booknight if you're looking to just, you know, have him restart his career elsewhere. Uh, if Cody Martin's injury gives you further concerns and you have a team that's interested in taking him on as well as PJ, then 
you know, maybe you can bring back somebody that's making 20 mil plus per year. But if you mm-hmm. were just talking in that 15 to $17 million range, there aren't many players who are making that league wide. And out of those that are making that, there aren't many that you want to trade for. So I know that Rui Achimura is one player that just recently received that deal from the Los Angeles Lakers. Isaiah Stewart just received one. I think Harrison Barnes now is also in that realm when he signed his deal with the Sacramento Kings. But outside of that, you have like Davis Bertans, you have guys like that who you don't want to bring in. So the sign and trade market, I know that the reports coming out say that the Hornets would rather go sign and trade than qualifying offer. And maybe that's true. Uh, Maybe they would. Maybe that's where the front office, because what we found out is when guys sign the qualifying offer, they essentially have power over where they can be traded. So we found out through Miles Bridges's, you know, signing of the qualifying offer that if the Hornets attempted to trade him to any other, you know, team, that he could essentially veto that trade if he did not want to go there. And so the same thing would happen with PJ. And yeah, like you stated, I mean, if you have Miles Bridges and PJ Washington, both on the qualifying offer, both with essentially no trade clauses, you know, depending upon what their desires are, then that lands you in a tough spot when you're coming up on a off season where you either are going to have to extend them or lose them for nothing. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so the sign and trade landscape, I don't love it either. Uh, obviously, you can piece together different, uh, you know, salaries and different players, and maybe work something out. But it's mo- most often when you have a sign and trade, you take back cents on the dollar, and. It generally you're not getting full bang for the buck. So I I know that you haven't fully stated exactly where you stand on this, but me personally, man, I think 16 million, I think that's more than doable for PJ. I see PJ as a starter on this team still. Uh with the rotation. Uh we can talk rotation here in a little bit if need be, but I still see PJ as a starter. I see him as a great fit with alongside LaMelo, alongside Miles Bridges, alongside Mark Williams, depending upon Terry Rogier, no matter how long he's here, whether he's here for the, you know, time being or, you know, he's moved, whichever option. I think PJ complements our guys really well because he would be the best two-way player on our team, both defensively And then being able, I mean, he shoots 37% for his career from the three-point line. I mean, that is your 3 and D guy. 16 mil may be a slight overpay, but with the fit and where this roster is now, the fact that he's been one of the healthiest Hornets over the past few seasons, the fact that he's gotten better every single year, and then just the people part of it, the part that says, hey, if we draft you, you come in here, you work hard, you get better, We're going to do you right. And then, I mean, that speaks volumes to the locker room. That speaks volumes to fellow draftees, guys who are on their rookie scale contracts. It's like, man, okay, 
Look at what PJ got. He was the what? What what spot did we draft PJ? Twelfth. Twelfth. It was between twelve and seventeen. I I, I believe I believe we Somewhere drafted him twelfth. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, the message that that sends to the other guys in the locker room that, hey, if I get better, if I show that I can play defense and I can knock down shots, you know, that will get me my second NBA contract. I don't think $16 million is just out of the question. And I really, <laughs> in an offseason where the Charlotte Hornets have failed to do anything outside of a no-brainer in extending LaMelo, I mean, that would. I don't want to really give credit to this front office for doing what everybody, what every other team and what every other front office across the league would have done. So I don't want to give them too much credit and say, well, they brought back LaMelo Ball. Yeah, that was in their lap. It's almost like drafting LaMelo. That fell in their lap, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to give them too much credit for those things because that was a no brainer. But then outside of that, there's been nothing. And the fact that we could be rolling into next season and JT Thor be our backup power forward, as much as I like JT Thor, his defensive capabilities, that's not what you want on a team that's seeking their first playoff appearance since 2016. Not not at this point. Not at this point. If JT Thor can develop into that in a couple seasons, then that's awesome. But right now, this team, and I feel like this fan base, is tired of waiting for things to happen for us during the summer. And this fan base is tired of this front office just sitting back and not being proactive in the summer. And I believe that this fan base is tired of just waiting for guys to develop. And then they finally do develop, and then all of a sudden we're not even going to touch a number that most people think and believe this to be a fair amount for a player who's gotten better every year that you drafted and that fits on your roster. Yeah. So to kind of establish my point, I guess, for the PJ um, contract, I it, it's tough because I feel like, I feel like for, I like PJ, I like his ceiling. And, but the thing is, is for a lot of other teams, I could understand possibly letting him walk but the Hornets aren't in a position for that to happen. Like you said, I like a JT Thor, but that's not what you want at your backup power forward right now. They didn't send him to summer league. So obviously there's something they view him a lot higher than we do, but I agree. I think that's, I, would keep, I think I would that's keep the message him. that they sent, right? That's the message. Yeah, because they I mean, they said they sent Kai Jones to summer league and they didn't send JT Thor. So they obviously think there's something there. They think, and that, that could very unfortunately very well be why they're not wanting to put this money into PJ Washington because they could be sitting there saying, well, we have JT Thor. And me and you are sitting here thinking, well, we know you have JT Thor, but that's not what we want. We, we don't, we don't view the front office must have a very large opinion on JT Thor. If they're not willing to give PJ Washington 16 mil, because like what you said, what there's really not many other players in the league that are making 16 million. Like that would be a bargain contract. Isaiah Stewart making 16. Okay. Rui Huchamara making 16. Okay. But then who out? There's no one. There's no one really else in that ball. He's better than so both. Of I don't those know. Guys. And he's better than both of those players. Like, PJ is a better basketball player. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also to your point earlier, how you were saying it could be a slight overpay. It very well could be a slight overpay. And I also feel that, but the thing is with, with NBA contracts, especially with rookie scale extensions and also restricted free agency, NBA contracts are almost built up for you to over have maybe an overpay at the beginning, but then those guys grow into the contract. A $16 million contract to grow into is a very cheap contract to grow into. And there's really no other way to go about this. Because like you said, if we bring in, if we do a sign-in trade, what, who are we matching that with? Davis for top? No, we're not, we're not doing that. And then if we do a qualifying offer, we're going to get a season out of him and then not be able to trade him if he walks. Because let's say worst comes to worst. Let's say this is the worst case scenario. We re-sign PJ. He has a his 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 overall input or not input sorry output for the season may go down a little bit because we're bringing back scores like Miles Bridges now adding Brendan Miller his production might go down a little bit but if his consistency is still there I think he should be fine but let's just say he has a very average season you can trade sixteen million on a, a contract for a year on a young player with a high ceiling. You can't, after you give him the qualifying offer, next season, you're just he's just going to wave goodbye and that's it. You're not going to get anything out of that. So you're better off paying the $16 million now, hoping he grows into the ceiling that everyone else sees. And then if he doesn't, you can just trade him. But for some reason, they don't see that. Yeah, and the people part of this comes into play because if PJ does sign the qualifying offer and he comes back on the one-year roughly $8 million deal next season. Even if the Hornets offer more money than, you know, a rival team or say a rival team is offering the same thing as the Hornets. Now we've left a sour taste in his mouth. Does he want to come back? Mm -hmm. Like, does he want to be here now? New ownership coming in more than likely. I'm guessing the front office will see turnover as well. You have to wonder how much they're having a say in these current talks and these current negotiations as well, seeing that it will be their team soon. Um, but knowing that the new owner is already a part of the organization, like that's not going to just like radically change PJ's mind. It wouldn't change my mind. It's like, no, dude, you were here last year. Maybe you weren't the guy making all of the final decisions, but you, you, your name is on the on the building. Like you, you're one of the owners. Like you are one of the dudes that owns this organization. Like that doesn't change my mind, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so the people part of this starts to come into play. And like even if the Hornets do, you know, meet whichever rival team's contract offer next offseason, or say they're even slightly above, does PJ at that point just say, nah, 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 nah. You guys Played me last year, and then I'm good. I'm going to go elsewhere. The uh, the the, sa- the sour feeling in the mouth, like you were saying, I feel like with PJ, it's even worse because I feel like people forget. They offered PJ a contract right before the season last year, which was also insulting. And he said, no, I'm going to bet on myself. And then he came out. He had a better season production-wise. And then I and believe the contract was around the same spot. So if he comes out, he performs better. He performs better. And then he doesn't get offered any more money. How is he going to feel going into next offseason? Because he's going to think, 
the whole season, he's going to be like, well, no matter how well I play, the Hornets aren't going to give me more money. So by the time he's already halfway through the season or entering the offseason, he's going to be like, I'm already going somewhere else. Wherever, whatever, no matter how much this other team offers me, if it's even in the same ballpark, I'm going there. Because Charlotte didn't offer me money at the beginning of the season. Everyone else got hurt. I was the Iron Man. I still played, and I had better production. I mean, at the end of the season, PJ was having like 20-plus points a game consistently. And if he's doing that and he's still not being rewarded, when will he be rewarded? Because the Hornets don't seem to care. Yeah. I just – 16 mil seems like an easy ask to meet. Um, and, like, maybe it's a slight overpay, but it's movable. He's a 3 and D guy. I mean, he can truly guard four, and he can guard a lot of fives throughout the league too. Now, he can't hang with Embiid. We've seen that numerous times whenever we've gone small. <laughs> I mean, Embiid yeah. destroys us. It is what it is. Embiid destroys most people. He can't guard Jokic. He can't guard Anthony Davis, guys like that. Obviously, you're, you're top-tier players in the NBA. Okay, um, that's that's fine. But, I mean, just a couple years ago, we saw him match up with Sabonis, who ended up being one of the best players in the league this past season, and shut him down on that last possession, the first on opening night of the season we won 43 games. And that's the defensive capabilities that P.J. offers that not many guys do. And, I mean, he's nearly shooting 37% from three for his career. He was down last year on his percentage, and that's because his usage rate went crazy mm-hmm. high because mm-hmm. of all of the injuries. injuries. And so I just – with where this roster is, I think that P.J. is a no-brainer bring back, especially right around 15, 16 million. I think that – if he's willing to accept that, I think we should offer that. But like you said, it must mean if the if the front office is ho- holding out on that, it must mean that they have one hell of a thinking and thoughts and prayers on JT Thor. It just Absolutely. is what it is. Absolutely. <laughs> well, over the weekend, we also found out transitioning obviously, that Mm -hmm. Dennis Smith Jr. was offered by the Charlotte Hornets. So much of the contempt from Hornets fans was Dennis Smith Jr. All we had to do was bring him back. We already had our backup point guard. Like It looked like the Charlotte Hornets had that solidified. We had the easiest situation in our hands. All we had to do was bring back Dennis Smith Jr., we don't have to spend another entire offseason worrying about the backup point guard. And mm-hmm. so the rhetoric around it was, I can't believe the Charlotte Hornets did not try to bring back Dennis Smith Jr. Well, we found out that they did. But Dennis Smith Jr. wanted to go elsewhere. And so he signed the deal with the Brooklyn Nets, took less money. So the Charlotte Hornets offered more than the vet minimum to where the Brooklyn Nets, that's all they offered. But he took that because of additional opportunities. He apparently believed that he would get more playing time in Brooklyn than in Charlotte. So, Patrick, I want to ask you this. Does this speak more to 
just Dennis Smith Jr. wanting better opportunities, more playing time in order to, you know, reach that next contract, basically essentially betting on himself and saying, hey, I'm going to go where I can play more and show people that I've been working on my game, that I can still be this defensive stopper while improving my outside shot where he only shot 21% from three last season. Do you think it speaks more to just better opportunity and more playing time, or does this say something about the culture surrounding the Charlotte Hornets? So I feel very strongly about this because I saw a lot of Hornets Twitter going into a frenzy. First, when Dennis Smith originally got signed, and then the contract got revealed, and they were like, how did we not offer them that? And then even over the weekend after we saw that the Hornets were, you know, when they actually offered more, I saw kind of what you were talking about, about is this something with the culture? Does he really not want to be here? I think you really have to look at Brooklyn, and I think you also need to look at Dennis Smith Jr.'s situation. Because first off, what people need to like see here, Dennis Smith Jr. was almost out of the league. The year before, right before he signed to the Hornets, news came out that he was training to play in the NFL. He was almost done with basketball. So he had a season with the Hornets. He got back on his feet. So now he's in this, I'm not quite sure if the uh, contract we offered him was a multi-year or just a one-year, but regardless, it's not in a very large money ballpark. So he can either take this contract with Charlotte or he can go to Brooklyn you obviously get paid 2.2 mil, not a lot, uh, for the NBA, obviously, but have the ability because I mean, on, on their depth chart, he's the he's the backup point guard. But the backup point guard in Brooklyn, if Cam Johnson goes out, or not, yeah, if Cam Johnson goes out, Macau Bridges slides to the three, and then Dinwiddie's going to slide to the two. He immediately goes in. If Dinwiddie gets hurt, which has happened a lot, Dennis Smith Jr. goes in. So I think he probably viewed Brooklyn. This is a massive market. This is a team where there is are people. Cam Johnson has struggled with knee injuries. There are, there are people on this team that are, are pop, large possibility that they can get hurt. So there is a large possibility that I can slide in and then I can showcase my game. So when we're coming around next offseason, when a lot of teams are going to have a lot of calorie, uh, cap, not calorie, cap space to spend, they're going to be prime space to pay him. Because right now, he came off a season, he got back on his feet, but I don't think he showcased his best game. He was elite defensively, he was a great rim pressure, but his three-point shot wasn't really there. And I think that was probably what was holding teams back, because they were thinking, can he play this on winning basketball? So I also think if he came back to the Hornets, and hopefully not, hopefully hopefully we're good next year, but if, if the Hornets are in, you know, out of his control, if the Hornets are mediocre next year or bad, then it's going to be the same situation. Teams are going to wonder, can he play this type of basketball on a winning basketball and a winning team? So now he's going to go to the Nets. Well, we know they're going to be a playoff contender. We know that they're going to be a big market. And we know that he has a large possibility of sliding into this uh, starting lineup without even him having to perform well. Injuries could make him be in that position. So to answer your question, I don't think this is any sort of way a knock on Charlotte's culture as much as many things could be. But... I think the big thing is just that he has so much more opportunity in Brooklyn, and I do not blame him at all for pursuing that. Yeah, I mean, in Charlotte, you're looking at he's probably getting 15 minutes at best per night when LaMelo's healthy. I guess the opposite view that you could, you know, raise there is LaMelo has had his fair share of injuries. And if LaMelo continues having his injuries, then Dennis Smith Jr. immediately steps into the starting lineup there and begins, you know, 
his ascent and gets his opportunities to prove himself at that stage and at that point with the Charlotte Hornets as well. And so, yes, I do believe when you just look at it, because I I don't believe that LaMelo Ball is injury prone. I, I don't believe that. I think I think when he stepped on the fan's foot, that was freak. That was freak accident. Like, it is what it is. But the remaining, he kept trying to come back when he wasn't fully healthy. And additional injuries occur when you come back too early. It's just that simple. And so I I, I don't foresee LaMelo just having an injury-plagued career. Uh, I don't believe that. Not at this juncture. I think he just he had one really bad season where he tried to push it and come back and play basketball because mm-hmm. he loves the game. LaMelo mm-hmm. loves the game. He loves playing. And even in a down year, even though that, you know, maybe he wasn't playing his best quality, he had some good stats to go with it last season. But the Charlotte Hornets weren't playing well. He didn't have a good supporting cast around him because additional people were injured the entire season. So I don't believe that's the case. But Dennis Smith Jr., knowing that, or if he was thinking that as well, yeah, he's looking between, what, 13 and 15 minutes a night? That's He he can receive more opportunities in Brooklyn. I guess the one thing that you could say about the Hornets and him not coming back would be we offered more money and – Maybe LaMelo has those injuries and he can still, you know, carve out a role on this team. And he'd been here already and he still spurned the Hornets. Like between the more money and already being there, like he said, now nah, I'm going to go to this unknown place and try myself there for less money. I think it'll be better for me. That could be the one area where you stop and think, because I'm not one of these people that says that, I I get so sick of the entire mantra of small market team. I get so sick of that. Like Charlotte is the 15th biggest city in the country. Okay. Now there are two teams in New York. There are two teams in LA. So that knocks the Hornets down a few notches, but the Hornets, I mean, they're the market size is more around 20th. People would make you believe that the Charlotte Hornets have like the smallest market in the NBA, that they're like 29th or 30th, and we're not. We're actually at like 20th. And so I hate that entire mantra of small market team constantly has to overpay for everybody. Nobody wants to come there. Uh, Losing mentality, losing culture, all of these things, right? I get sick of that. But even that last part, I really can't deny. We haven't won anything ever. The only team that's never won a seven-game series, never won a divisional title, never been to a conference finals. I mean, it's just thing after thing after thing. And so, I I don't know. That, That last part, I think that there is more opportunity. I think it's a little bit of both. I think that there's more opportunity in Brooklyn for him but then also there's a part of me that's like man we did offer more money 
he had already been here and been around the guys and knows the coaching staff and kind of knows the role that they want for him. And he chose to go to someplace unknown. And that's where I'm kind of like, man, this, this doesn't feel that great. Patrick, I have enjoyed having you on, man. You have an article. You've referenced it multiple times. You have an article coming out for Hornets lead. It will be dropping this week. So everybody, make sure that you're looking for that. We're going to post that. We're going to blast that so that all of you guys can read all of Patrick's thoughts on Summer League as he just did just an overview of all things Brandon Miller, Kai Jones, James Booknight, etc. But Patrick, let everybody know, you know, where you are on social media and where they can find you, all of the above. All right, so I'm I didn't I don't I kind of jumped in kind of at the beginning. Uh, my name's Patrick Simon. I'm a rising freshman at NC State University. You can t- catch me at Twitter, uh, PC Simon twenty three. Um, I'm on Instagram, Patrick Simon. Simon has three ends at the end. Uh, feel free to hit me up. Always talking Hornets. Always talking everything. Um, looking for a career in sports media, and I'm really enjoying the opportunities that I've been getting from my buddies at the league. Yes, sir. Hornets lead is on the up and up. Be looking for Patrick's work as his article once again will be dropping this week. Thanks for listening to everybody. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review, follow all of the things you know what to do. I'm your host, Joshua Balta. You can find me on Twitter at Balta77. You can find me at Hornets lead as I run Hornets leads account on all the platforms on Twitter, on Instagram, on threads. Now all the cool kids on threads, go check us out (laughs) on threads, right? (laughs) But make sure that you follow, stay in touch with all of the things that the lead is doing, that the Hornets lead is doing this summer. As we bring you content, we bring you articles, we bring you podcast episodes, social media content, all of the above. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Until next time, adios. Thanks for listening to Hive Hoops, presented by The League. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Thanks again from Hive Hoops. Hoops.